The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. And I am just hardcore ditching the haterade from you guys here. I think this oh, is... Whoa. Friends, welcome to the hottest or at the very least lukewarm takes on education. This is Dig It or Ditch It. All right, friends, we are back better or maybe better than ever. We'll see um, with with our our friend, our best friend of the pod, Noah Geisel. How's it going, buddy? Fantastic. Super great to be with you guys. So here's how it works. Noah asks us questions. We don't know what the hell he's going to ask us. And um, we will give, you know, something. Our hot take responses. Well, I'll, I'll give some sort of take that people will be mad at me about. And, and Glenn will say something really smart. Yeah. And framed Noah in the context of digging it or ditching it. And, framed uh, in the context of digging it or ditching it. And, and <laughs> listeners, if you have, you know, we, we, we do mm. this for you not to satiate our own egos. If you have topics that you want us to dig or ditch on, please mm. submit them. And in that spirit... We have our very first listeners contributed dig it or ditch a question. Oh, yes. this is exciting. Nice. Nice. Dan Cranus, listener okay. Dan Cranus submitted uh, dig it or ditch it authors doing book studies on their own books and guessing this is in the context of edu authors. Mike, Glenn, dig it or ditch it. Hmm. I'm going to ditch it. It just seems not very genuine to me to like i mean if people are into your book let them do the damn book study um you know i i get the marketing i get the business i get like the buzz and you wanting to create conversation about your book i get all that i hope just like i, I mean i'm writing a book and i hope that the people that are going to read it will like it enough that they want to talk about it i don't want to force people to talk about it or even because I don't want to suggest that these authors that are doing this are forcing people to talk about their book. There are people that jump into this wholeheartedly. They would love to talk about the book. Maybe there are people that you know, aren't don't know how to do a book study or start it. So they say to the author, I'd love to do a book study, but I don't know what to do. Maybe you can do it for me. It's it's a little complicated, but I just would love for books to stand on their own merits. Love how Mike jumps in with a super uh -huh. hot take and then walks it back to just step right down cold. the middle, boys. Right Go down ahead, the middle. Dig it or ditch it. Uh, hot take. <laughs> totally ditch it. You should not be hosting your own. Basically saying, okay, check this out. Then I'm going to analyze my own book and then bring you along uh, as fans, I guess, of the book or. Or yep. the knowledge within the book, and then be able to do that. Now, I could see though that someone hosts one of these, right? And then they invite the author to join them to give that kind of the background voice. Uh, I was thinking more of like 
where you want to dig in deeper to something of like, what were they thinking on this specific part? And then they can give some more feedback on whatever it might be. I could see that. I think many times though, you were right, Mike, in that first section where you were actually doing the hot take where, where they, they are doing it for promotional purposes. And I, I don't blame someone for doing that, but it's kind of, it's like, man, that's, that's not where I would go with it. If, if it's, if your book is popular and people are wanting to do book studies on it, it will do amazing anyway. You don't need to, you know, kind of do that on top of it. Cause then it makes it definitely, there's something not authentic about that. Yeah. I am going to hardcore dig it. Um, oh, and I am just hardcore ditching the haterade from you guys here. I think this oh, is whoa. this is coming. Not I think from a very judgy this. place. Um, I, I just see zero harm in an author r- running a book study. It is opt in. There is nobody. So that you know, to, to Mike's point around forcing, there is zero force. It is an invitation. It is all pull, zero push. Um, I think that for a lot of readers, it's a value add. And I, I just don't see – I see zero harm in the world from an author doing this. I, I think that there's a whole lot of books that I've read where I would love a chance to um, you know, engage directly with the author in a book study. I would love for them to tell me you – know, I, I, not tell me. I, I would love for, to hear from them the questions that they would love to hear me as a reader you're thinking about as I'm reading, even if I'm not going to do that, right? Like I don't have to, but, but I think it's, uh, I'm hardcore dig. And, and I, I guess a parallel to that is, you know, if our, you know, we talked on this podcast about our homegirl T Swift, you know, if she were to invite us to do a song study on, on some of her mm. lyrics, like who's okay. not getting in on that. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm a hardcore dig. And, and I thank uh, the listener for submitting that dig it or dig it question. Mike, I feel like you have more to say. You threw out some haterade to us. <laughs> My coming, head exploded. It sounded like it was really coming from a place of of, of judging on the authors, and I, I really think that it, that it's worth stepping back and questioning the assumptions of author intent on running mm-hmm. that book study. Right? Like, I think it, 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 is it disingenuous to claim like that there's no promotional value? Totally. Like there, there's promotional value, and mm. there's also learning value. Like it's mm. not they're not mutually exclusive. I totally dig a song study on T Swift. And if she wants to join us, for the record, yeah, Taylor Swift. If you want to come on, dig it or ditch it, and weigh in on this, we will not haterate on you. (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of super hot absolute, we talked last time on our hundred episode about absolutist takes, and and there was one that I uh, that I didn't get that I thought I'd bring back, and that is um, giving a hundred percent grade on something that is either submitted late or resubmitted as a redo assignment. Can a student mm. still get a hundred percent dig it or ditch it? I'm, I, I can go first. I would say dig it. So uh, in other words, it is totally valid for a teacher to give a student a hundred percent for a either redo assignment or something that's turned in late. Mike and I just had the conversation about this, about something parallel to this, as far as there was a Alice Keeler tweet about this. Um, but really, the reason why I say it's okay is because I am grading the content, not the behavior of the student. So for me, as far as a student does redoes an assignment and actually then performs, I'm actually judging it on as far as a scale or a level or rubric or whatever it might be. They actually achieve the can-do goals, whatever I'm using. 
if they demonstrate that they have that, I'm 100% okay with giving them the uh, all of the points there, and I'd even give them the little 100% symbol. Oh, <laughs> bring back the emoji. <laughs> Mike? You're trolling me with the <laughs> emoji. God, I hate that emoji. <laughs> I have absolutely no problem with giving kids perfect grades if they've earned them on a late assignment. I mean, we're, we're judging content and process, not whether it's necessarily on time or not. We did have a really good discussion about the value of learning and handing things in on time. Uh, and that that's a skill that kids need to learn. Um, I just don't think deducting marks is the, is the right um, recourse for, I don't, I, to be honest, I don't necessarily know what the right recourse is, but thank God that's not actually this question. Um, so I'll say that um, I, I dig it. I, I my the the better question, and also not this question, is whether you can give a hundred percent on assignments at all. Um, whether something is like I didn't I didn't give many perfect marks. Um, so oh, you were that teacher. Um, but not in, not necessarily intentionally. Um, just, I I think that there's, there was always room for a little bit of improvement. Um, it was not like some sort of, um, um, I was not haterating on my kids. He uh, did have a secret second Twitter account at Bell Curve. Yeah, Bell Curve. Sorry, guys. So... So, uh, yes, you can totally get 100% even though you've handed in something late. I I dig it. I'm going to join you guys on dig, dig, dig on this one. This is our first time in a while, dig, dig, dig. And I I am 100% digging on this. And um, I I go into Glenn's point. It's about process. And also, you know, for any listeners who don't know that, you know, I'm really into digital badge credentials. And for me, it's really, you know, I'm kind of to a place right now in my uh, evolution on grading of, you know, real willingness could kind of just go zeros and ones with the zero really not just mean zero, but not yet. Not yet. I- I'm ready for just not yet and once. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I actually had a chance to see recently an interview uh, with uh, the the founder of Atari. Mm-hmm. And uh, who's doing all kinds of amazing startup stuff. And a quick side story, Bill Gates interned for him as a 19 year old came to him and said, Hey, I'm going to start a company and call it Microsoft. You can own 30% of it for 50 grand. And the dude took a pass. No, (laughs) But one of the things he said was he said, you know, it was all about, he was talking a lot about education. He said, you know, I think in my opinion, we need to get away from grades and it should, there should only be hundreds and you you I love should this. not move on until you get a hundred. So um, <laughs> I, he was really speaking my language. Yes. Speaking of famous people, mm. Malcolm Gladwell has a new book. Ooh. Malcolm Gladwell, dig him or ditch him. I, I absolutely dig the hell out of Mac, Malcolm Gladwell. First off, he's a Canadian. Second off, he's maybe one of the smartest people on the entire planet. Third, that guy's got 
a frigging amazing hairdo and i mean i'm bald as hell so i i can't really it's almost it's almost noah like to be honest yeah like if noah puffs up his hair like he's doing now he's almost at malcolm gladwell level um dude is ridiculously smart i actually just swear to god not lying i just downloaded outliers on audible like two days ago i got i got a credit uh, and I used it to download Outliers, so I'm I'm ready to get some Malcolm Gladwell um, on in the next little while. His podcast is absolutely fabulous. Um, he does this really interesting episode that's always stuck in my head about like so. First off, go go listen to Malcolm Gladwell's podcast. Uh, it is so weird. Revisionist so, history, listeners, is the name of the podcast. There it is. I couldn't remember the name. Um, so strange yet brilliant at the same time. Talks about things that you wouldn't think about, but then when you start to think about them, you go, "Oh my god!" Like, um the city of LA and how many golf courses are in it and how it makes for completely unusable living space in the city. And it's take, they're taking parks away from the city uh, so that they can create golf courses. And now people can't walk through parks and um, stuff like that. Like, and it's just the most amazing episode of, of a podcast. One of the best I've listened to, to be honest. Um, I love, 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 love Malcolm Gladwell. I don't love Malcolm Gladwell, but I, I, I actually was trying to find a reason why people would be, you know, anti, you know, uh, I think he's times 100 most influential people. Uh, the podcast that you were just listening, that you were just talking about is freaking awesome and so different than yeah. almost anything that's out there and in a great way. So I could see what Mike, why you're saying as far as you love him. I don't feel like I'm like super like oh my god, whatever I'd be, but I definitely would say um, I I would definitely not uh, I would dig him, not ditch him. Yes, we we are at dig dig dig. I, I'm also a big fan. I, I'm currently listening on audiobook to the brand new uh, book, Talking with Strangers, mm. and uh, I will not do any spoilers. But I, I to answer Glenn's question, what there are to the counterweight argument to folks like Malcolm Gladwell, Daniel Pink is that they take uh, a lot of really scientific ideas, a lot of uh, stuff that people spend their careers working on, oversimplify them okay. um, for the masses, hmm. um, sort of put it through the pop culture car wash of accessibility hmm. um, and that, you know, oversimplify it and, and potentially even distort the points. And so there are people out there who, who totally hate on uh, folks yeah. like Malcolm Gladwell, but we are not those people. No. no, we're hating Not at them. All. <laughs> we're haterating them. <laughs> uh, I like that we've. I like that every segment we've been able to say haterate at least once. I know. I think if, we need to keep might, this going. If, yes. <laughs> we'll have to find some gifts for that one. Mm-hmm. All right, fellas. Uh, speaking of, you know, and one of the things Malcolm Gladwell is known for it go, on the topic of oversimplifying things is a lot of just the way we think. And so, transitioning to our last question: dig it or ditch it. Uh, teachers espousing their practices as being based in brain-based teaching. Dig it or ditch it? So brain-based teaching as in research-based? Fair. Well, yeah, clarifying question. So that the, the the, your, your teaching strategies, your pedagogy is based off of brain-based uh, research. Brain research. Oh, that's super hard. In, in a way, 
I, I mean, I'm going to have to throw out a soft take out there. In a way, as an instructional coach, you have to have some kind of guiding principles, you know, and it can't be how you feel about something, you know. So we do focus in. I mean, even we have an in-service day coming up at the end of the week. And I know some of our slides have to do specifically with brain-based research. And those are, you know, we're hyper-focusing on specific things. And that's how kind of we're trying to influence our teachers to do specific things. Because if it was just me saying, hey, this worked for me, well, who the hell am I, <laughs> you know? And how, to, how am I supposed to be? Like, I'm a one-case person. So the research, yes, it should back it, but... Also, I could see, and I'm doing a, a mic here, I'm pulling a thing, where I could see where there is a lot of research that has not been done yet. I'm thinking about like game-based learning, Mike. Uh, there's research done, but not enough. Um, even uh, the concepts of the badges that you're talking about, Noah, it's not enough of a, of a, of a bulk of research that you can really – you know, say, hey, this has been done. There's like 500 studies that have proven this, this, and this, you know, whatever might be the meta-analysis. And you can really throw that out there. So I still want people to push the envelope. I still want people to like, uh, in, in simplifying ways, to experiment and then to find out what are those things that do really work in specific situations and then continue to spread that, discuss that, and then maybe there will be a meta-analysis done about those things. So I'm sorry, but I took the both sides of the thing. I remember at ISTE 2018, um, David Eagleman was one of the keynote speakers. Yes. And I could never figure out why they invited a neuroscientist to be a keynote speaker at ISTE until I heard him speak. Mm -hmm. And the moment he started speaking, it clicked with me right away that our students our kids their brains are different mm -hmm. than ours not in bad ways just in different ways and it is our responsibility as educators to adapt to not just learning changes in terms of technology and pedagogy and all of this other stuff but the actual physical chemical changes of our students and their brains it's actually happening and i've been trying to think about that a lot as especially as i talk to um other educators about things like minecraft for example like and i think that the game space learning narrative ties really well with the brain based learning narrative and that 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 our kids brains are different i think that those things are intertwined a little bit in the sense that um and and a, a book that you could even intertwine with this is jordan shapiro's the new childhood in the sense that our kids are different they're not bad different they're just different mm. and um we need to adapt and modify to not just learning styles and technology and all this stuff but to actual differences physical differences and and jordan speaks to this and david eagleman speaks to this and i'm absolutely digging us being aware and mindful that our kids are different physically than we are and that our parents are 
Mm, I, I really like that take, Mike, even though I am a hardcore ditch on this uh, question. <laughs> um, but I, I'm also I agreeing like with our need to like, be. Oh, my God. I do think we need to be mindful of who our students are. And I do think we want to pay attention to that. And, you know, th this is conference season and that that's kind of mm. where this question came from, because as I'm looking through programs of, of different conferences, there are sessions with, you know, brain based in the title and, mm. you know, folks are really leaning on, on some of this stuff. And um, while I don't think that's bad, I think it, that there's a, a really uh, kind of, unforeseen potential red flag and that's that uh we don't understand it nearly as well as we think we do mm. and so um you know that there's actually and maybe we can drop in the show notes uh some speaking of research uh where, where teachers have been surveyed and teachers who um on average that were presented with a series of facts and series of about the brain and a series of neuro myths and teachers believed 49% of the neuro myths, mm. particularly myths related to commercialized educational programs. Um, and you know, one of the things that was actually really surprising is that teachers who read popular science magazines um, and uh, self-identified as knowing more about the brain actually had an increased probability of believing a neuromyth of the general population. Wow. And so I, I think that while it's okay to, you know, do things that maybe feel right, I think we want to be really careful about crossing over into uh, territory, you know, where there's people who are actual learning scientists and this is what they do. And, and you know, they're reading FRM, fMRIs and, you know, that, that we, you know, going back to the Malcolm Gladwell uh, thing to kind of take the other side, you know, we, we kind of oversimplify things. Uh, you know, I, I think one of the – and get them wrong. Right. I think one of the classic ones is we still it's pretty easy to go to a conference and hear something that's been completely debunked, like learning modalities. Right. That mm. the people are kinesthetic learners or are auditory learners or are visual learners. Right. And when you know that that has been pretty thoroughly debunked that, you know, and, and so they, they're I think are big risks to getting it wrong because it feels right and it feels sciency and that that really you know is, is tougher to argue with when it feels sciency than just our gut i like it yes i like it a lot really good points so friends there was your takes these were great takes <laughs> they were, um, they were fun. there was there was some there was some hot there was some lukewarm there was some what what's a some less trolling of, of at uh bell curve washford there was some <laughs> haterade <laughs> and, and lots of haterade apparently um so thanks noah for joining us on dig it or ditch it thanks mike and glad for having me and listeners thanks for the first suggestions keep them coming thanks for listening to on education my name is glenn irvin my co-host is mike washburn on education is part of the education podcast network you can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Jennifer Gonzalez, Matt Miller, and many more by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. 
If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.